welcome back to the Infradig podcast, the podcast service brought to you by IJ Global, Infrastructure Journal. My name is Angus Leslie Melville, and I'm Editorial Director of IJ Global. And today, I'm recording this podcast yet again at the PPP Americas Conference, hosted by the Inter-American Development Bank in Panama City. I have with me two leading figures from the IDB team. Let me introduce... Washington, D.C.-based Gaston Astaciano. I pronounced it right that time, yeah. unlike when we were on stage when I stumbled. <laughs> Apologies for that. Um, <laughs> Gaston, you are Public-Private Partnerships Team Leader at IDB. I also have with me PPP Senior Specialist Carolina Lembo, uh, who divides her time between Washington, D.C. and Baltimore. Welcome both to Infradig. Thank you so much for having us today, Angus. Thank you, Angus. Pleasure to be here. Great to have you both. Okay, first, let's set the scene. Can you both please introduce yourselves briefly? Uh, Gaston, let's start with you, please. Thank you, Angus. I'm Gaston Astesiano. I head the PPP single window of the Inter-American Development Bank. And um, we work helping uh, the region to enhance their institutions and regulatory frameworks and putting together bankable projects to be offered to the private sector. Okay, and Carolina? Well, I work with Gaston, of course, and I have been working at the Inter-American Development Bank for the past seven years, where I have the privilege to work on structuring PPPs with a meaningful impact on improving the quality of services in Latin America. I'm a lawyer by training with a PhD in international trade law and a master's in PPPs and concessions. Apologies, I should have called you doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you for that. Gaston, we're going to start off with you. And I'm keen to hear your thoughts on the challenges and the opportunities faced by PPP across the region. Let's start off with the challenges. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for the question, Angus. Uh, The region faces uh, a particular context in which the PPPs and the infrastructure sector needs to operate. Uh, coming out of the pandemic, the region is in a, in a fragile fiscal situation where uh, debts to GDP ratio has gone roughly to the 70%, a little bit over of the, uh, of the sustainable level. So countries are facing a double challenge, which is the fiscal consolidation process together with a big infrastructure gap and the need to cover that infrastructure gap both by the quantity and the quality of the infrastructure uh, to achieve the sustainable development goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, that, in that context, uh, as you know from, from the PPP single window of the IDB, we diagnose the region every two years uh, through the infrascope, uh, our, our ranking uh, developed together with uh, the economy's impact. And there uh, we can see the two main challenges that the, the, the region are facing. One, the need to generate sustainable financing for project preparation and structuring. This is something that some countries uh, have moved forward, as you heard it during this conference in the last two days. Today we have uh, Secretary of PPPs, Marcus Calvacanchi from, from Brazil, uh, showcasing the different funds and the different mechanisms they have this is something that is moving forward in the region, but there's still a lot, a lot to develop. And we can see that there is not enough resources allocated for project preparation. 
and therefore there is not a robust pro project pipeline to be offered to the private sector. And this is one of the biggest challenges the region faces in order to mobilize capital to infrastructure. The second one I would say is the need for a better structuring, including all the sustainability aspects and the ESG of the projects. This is one of the major causes for uh, cost overruns and extra times in the infrastructure sector, not only for PPPs, but for infrastructure projects in general. And, and within that part of the governance, the other challenges are related to um, periodical and methodological project analysis and, and, and evaluation, ex post evaluation, in the way to learn from the projects that have been implemented and to enhance the second and third generations of PPPs uh, with the lessons learned coming from, the, from those projects. A valuable process. Okay, so th th those are the challenges um, that are facing PPP in the region. But uh, do you know what? We want to know about the opportunities. Gaston, can you give us hope for the future? Absolutely, Angus. Uh, at the same time, Latin America is the region that mobilized the most private capital to infrastructure comparing with other developing regions of the world. Mm -hmm. More than 36% of the private capital to infrastructure goes to Latin America. Very, very, very strong markets like Brazil, Chile, Peru, Colombia uh, have been able to attract a lot of capital, uh, have been able to uh, enhance their programmatic approaches to con concentrate into roads, airports, hospitals. We see, uh, I would say, a very heterogeneous region in which these markets are advancing and sophisticating and getting more projects and, and, and more sectors involved with private capital in infrastructure. Uh, and, and this is clearly a, a, a trend that we see other countries, newcomers like Panama, uh, in the middle of the very, the very big uh, first approach to a PPP program, uh, uh, starting from the road sector. They, they are structuring more than four projects. Uh, Mr. Sabonje presented the whole pipeline. They are moving from there to some social infrastructure and, and eventually they will, they will reach a maturity and, and have a, a, a solid market as well. Uh, that's something that Uruguay has done uh, in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, Paraguay is starting to come in to, to use the tool. Has already two roads. We are structuring a, a, another road. Uh, and, and so uh, on, the, on the brighter point, there is, there is a, a, a critical mass of countries that are in a very sustained program of PPPs attracting private capital. And we hope those best practices from the region can be replicated in newcomers. We are starting projects in the Caribbean, in, 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 in Trinidad and Tobago uh, and, and Bar Barbados. Uh, we are starting a, a project preparation facility with the Development Bank of Jamaica in Jamaica. So there is hope. There is a, a bright light. There's a, quite a bright light to the end of that tunnel. Okay, fantastic. Having tracked development banks for a long time, one, one thing that I've noticed over the years is that, uh, that there's a tipping point for the involvements of the likes of IDB and deals. I suppose you could say their requirement. Now, I'm, I'm not saying we've reached that stage in Latin America, anything, but, um, but do you anticipate a point in the near future when you'll be surplus to requirement? And isn't that actually your ultimate goal, to set up established markets um, to the point at which commercial lenders take over, and at that point, I suppose you would evolve your role. How, how do you see it? Uh, totally, yeah, because I think you are hitting the, the 
the right point there. Uh, and I, I can I can point out sectors that are already mature enough that they don't need multilateral mm-hmm. investment from the structuring phase. Yeah. One of them is probably renewables. And you can see this is a region that uh, has uh, the largest electricity generation uh, from uh, renewable sources. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of uh, big hydro developed during the probably. 60s. And, 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 uh, but you have countries, you have the uni- only net electricity exporter of the world, Paraguay, Viditaipu, mm-hmm. the second largest hydro, hydro plant uh, in a binational endeavor together with Brazil. Uh, but also you have Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and and those those markets have been developed privately, mm-hmm. even in cases like in Uruguay where you have a public monopoly mm-hmm. uh, in the distribution sector. Mm-hmm. But the new renewable generation has been developed with private sponsors, uh, and that happened mostly during the beginning of the century. Mm-hmm. Is now a mature market. It's a market where uh, investors are feel very comfortable buying. Uh, PPAs are pretty much standard, uh, and that's also true for the uh, transmission lines. And, uh, and in many countries, like in Peru, reimbursement works without the help of any multilateral in that, in that sector. So, of course, there are new, always new sectors, as I said before, but there is a tipping point in which the learning curve of uh, structuring those deals in a bankable fashion have reached the point in which the capacity, the local capacity, is good enough, and they don't need support from 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 uh, teams like ours uh, helping them to structure the deals. That doesn't mean that the IDB Invest, our private sector uh, uh, bank, uh, still gets involved in that, mm-hmm. uh, and it's probably an, an involvement that it has more to do with uh, mobilizing a lot of capital. They will enter for a 20, 30% of the ticket, mm-hmm. mobilizing other private capital to, to sectors mm-hmm. uh, because they still have an added value of being lender of records or guaranteeing certain levels of standards uh, for transparency, compliance, and ESG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a good big brother to have at your shoulder should anything go a little bit wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, living as we are now in a high inflation environment, what are IDB strategies to cope with this? Do you, do you plan to increase financing activities given the higher interest rates and uh, slower capital markets? Look, as you know, the, the IDB group uh, is in a, in, a, in a very unique position, position for, for financing infrastructure in the region. We have a, a very big uh, public bank that lends to the region um, with, with a very convenient uh, financial terms, uh, uh, which are not affected by the inflation. So in a scenarios or context as the one we are uh, facing, our public products become much more uh, uh, interesting for, for from the financial terms. IDB Invest uh, operates with commercial rights uh, and, and, and is somehow more affected by the, by the, uh, the, the inflationary pressures of the higher interest rates. Uh, the fact of the matter is that the region still needs to invest in infrastructure to catch up uh, with the infrastructure gap. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the government faced this, this uh, catch-22 situation in which not investing enough in infrastructure we know has a very negative effect on growth. Indeed. So uh, I think uh, it's not so much that we will increase our level of lending, but rather we become more and more uh, um, competitive in this environment. And probably we are able to uh, mobilize more, more resources or 
in the in the, in the bigger scheme of things enlarge the envelope that goes to infrastructure, but not by enlarging our resources to it. I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm being clear. Here. Yeah, no, no, I get you. Okay, fantastic. Um, thank you for that, Gaston. Uh, we're now moving on to talk to Carolina. And uh, you know, you're going to be having a chat with us about sustainable investments across the region. Um, ESG credentials, now they're all the rage these days. In fact, IG Global Portal for our ESG awards is open right now. So anybody listening, do get your submissions in. Um, that's very, it's, it's a wonderful awards night. Um, this is the third time we've posted these awards and they're really exciting. The things you come across are absolutely fantastic. And we had an amazing Atlas Renewables. Oh my goodness, their win a couple of years ago still blows me away. Fantastic. Let's start off with projects in the water sector. I believe you'll be f- focusing on wastewater treatment in Peru. Yeah, that's correct, Mm. Angus. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but in Latin America and the Caribbean, the access gap to water and sanitation services are still significant. Mm -hmm. An average annual investment of 0.5% of region GDP, around $400 billion, are needed until 2030 to close this gap. So in the specific case of Peru, only 65% of the wastewater collected goes through a treatment system. In that sense, wastewater management facilities are key to close the sanitation gap in the country and bring access to service, which reduces diseases resulting from the lack of drinking water and basic sanitation. That also contributes to control river pollution and fostering economic development. Having all that in consideration, from the BPP team, we are really pleased to have this opportunity to work hand-to-hand with Prime Version, that is the BPP unit in Peru, which with resources from the Global Infrastructure Facility, from the IDB itself, Japanese and Spanish governments in a programmatic initiative, which will dramatically improve the quality of lives of millions in the country. We are talking of structuring of seven wastewater management plants in Cajamarca, Cañete, Chincha, Cusco, Puerto Maldonado, Tarapoto, and Trujillo. Wow. And a total invest of around $700 million. Well, all I can say for your audience who is listening to us today is please be ready to participate in the bidding process of those important initiatives, which will start later this year and will bring sustainable social change to millions. Mm, fantastic. And uh, yeah, we've seen quite a shift away from that initial focus of transport, transport, transport to water. We're getting to water in such an important sector. So good to see that there's some movement on that front. Um, next, I believe you're, you're focusing on intercity rail, specifically the train between Sao Paulo and Campinas. Uh, can you tell us how you're keeping greenhouse gas emissions to a minimum on this rail project? Of course. But first, thank you for the question, Angus, and the opportunity to talk about this crucial project. Mm, I'm going <laughs> to try to do that. Uh, so the North Axis Intercity Train Project is the first phase of implementation of the Interurban Train Concept, which means to connect more than 400 kilometers of railroad lines in the state of Sao Paulo, Brazil. So this first that we are talking now is the one that is going to connect Sao Paulo and Campinas, which will be executed through a public-private partnership structured by the state of Sao Paulo with support of the IDBPPP team and resources not only from the IDB, but also from the Global Infrastructure Facility. 
the concession foresees three services. A non-stop service between São Paulo, Junjaí and Campinas, the current Line 7, and a stop service between Junjaí and Campinas, which will bring the rail transport option to other cities as well, like Loveiras, Valinho, and Vinhedos. The expected impact of the project is enormous. To understand the magnitude, the state of São Paulo represents more than 30% of the Brazilian GDP. And São Paulo, Campinas, and Junjaí alone account for almost 70% of the GDP of the state of São Paulo. The project's total investment is about $2.5 billion. That's a lot. And let me tell you, coming back to your question, <laughs> ESG is at the core of the project. The project will bring to the table social and economic benefits estimated at $620 million, generating business opportunities and close to 10,000 direct and indirect jobs. Furthermore, the project promotes the replacement of buses and cars on roads with electric rail transport, contributing to environmental policy and to meeting greenhouse gas reduction targets. The project is expected to be awarded in the end of the year. So I tell it now your audience, all aboard, because <laughs> you don't want to miss this incredible opportunity. You don't want to miss this trade. Quite right. Sounds like a fantastic one um, and a big deal. So that'll attract a lot of people. Um, thank you for that. Um, we're now moving on to the Amazon. As I, I want you to share a new initiative that IDB is launching to use PPP as a tool to promote development on environmental asset management and forest conservation. Carolina, please tell us more. Thank you, Angus, and thank you for this opportunity you know, that today we can share one of the most important topics we are working on now, at least in my opinion, mm -hmm. not only for the region, but for our entire planet. Absolutely. The Amazon Coordination Unit and the PPP team is starting to work together in generating a comprehensive diagnostic on public-private synergies for managing and conserving environmental assets, meaning forests and parks in the Amazon Basin. We aim to create a pipeline of projects that we can structure soon. We had a kickoff meeting today during PPP Americas with Brazil, Colombia, Ecuador, and Peru, where we discussed how to use PPPs as an effective policy instrument to deliver sustainable forests and other as well environmental assets management, of course, hand in hand with local communities. Stay tuned in your podcast because I hope that I can come back again exciting news to share. I really hope so too, because I'm kind of, well, I'm fascinated by this one. As you say, it's really important. It's the environment, it's the planet. And um, it's, it's really fascinating. And um, several of our podcasts that we've done today and yesterday have focused on a little bit on the forestry. So I'm keen to see how that evolves. But um, then let's just switch to the Caribbean for the final question. And uh, this one to Gaston. Um, given the location of this conference, Panama, I imagine a great deal of the focus is going to be on the, this in parts, more established market. Um, how much of your focus is on the Caribbean these days, though? Can you give us, uh, please, your priority list and where you see greatest potential? Thank you, Angus. That's a, a, a very good question. Uh, you know, we as the Latin American and Caribbean Development uh, Bank Uh, have a, a priority on developing uh, the regions, especially those regions like the Caribbean that face uh, 
not only a difficult fiscal situation, but also a great vulnerability to climate change. Mm. Uh, we we are very very active in the Caribbean, as as you as you said before, it's it's a market that is still developing uh, in comparison with the with the most developed bank, uh, markets of the of the region, as I mentioned in my previous intervention. But we are working. Uh, we actually just launched the structuring for the port of Port Spain in Trinidad and Tobago. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, uh, we have finished the pre-feasibility studies and we partnered with the Global Infrastructure Facility to move to the structuring phase together with the government of uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, we are also starting a support in Barbados mm-hmm. uh, to uh, look and evaluate different alternative solutions for a, for a port, but also in a larger scheme to support, to develop their, their public-private partnership program. Uh, Barbados has just and enter into a, a program with the IMF under the Resiliency and Sustainability Facility. Uh, and, and there is a, a working group of um, most of the modulators working in the area to mobilize private capital for critical infrastructure, sustainable infrastructure. So we are also part, part of that working group. Uh, as I mentioned before, also in, in Jamaica, it's probably the most developed PPP program in the region of the Caribbean. Um, you can see that we are uh, having uh, the beginning of a project preparation facility together with the Development Bank of Jamaica and already uh, looking at two pilots to start structuring under that facility. Um, Last but not least, uh, we are always uh, working on upstream opportunities and by upstream I mean uh, regulatory framework, strengthening and institutional capacity in, in the different countries of the, of the region. Part of the, of the Amazon that, uh, that Carolina mentioned also touches upon countries uh, like Guyana and Suriname, uh, part of the, of, the, of the Amazon basin, and part of the resources from the Amazon fund, uh, the Inter-American Development Bank, are especially allocated to PPPs. Right. Uh, and how uh, public-private partnership can be an instrument for for working sustainably in the in the in the Amazon. We are not all, of course our stronger work is with Brazil and together with Benedes and 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 we are pretty advanced in 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 different parts of national parks or forestries and and private solutions for that. But we are also reaching out to other countries uh, in the Caribbean basin. Uh, to to replicate this success story, so uh, it is a very important uh, region. Uh, it's a region that is a little bit uh, uh, more challenging and in an earlier stage of development uh, for PPPs, but uh, it's a priority for the uh, IDB and IDB Invest. And so we are uh, working together to find ways to attract private capital to those countries. Mm. Any any um, clues on the? Pilot projects in Jamaica? No, we are we are at the at the at the process of selecting them. We okay. we, we will have a, we will be actually after this event uh, breathing a little bit for for the team. Uh, yeah. Carolina led the effort, and let me let me say it in the podcast, uh, she deserves a big congratulations. Oh, as you could be a witness event. of it, it did a fantastic work. Awesome. Uh, so we are gonna relax and, and and take some 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 rest, mm. and then come back and probably by by mid August. We will be launching the, the the facility with DBJ, uh, starting the selection of the pilots, and we hope to have them identify uh, before the end of the year and moving forward to the structuring phase. 
There is also some opportunities that we have been trying to follow in, in the Bahamas oh, yeah. and, and some upstream work in Dominican Republic as well. Right. Uh, so I, I would say we, we, I don't want you to give you the impression that we are working everywhere, but uh, there are some, some, some bright spots and, and we are trying to, to use them to, to develop the tool, the reputation for the tool and trying to replicate them. Absolutely. And best of luck with that. Um, more projects, the happier we are. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, Gaston, Carolina, thank you very much for your time and well done for putting on a splendid event here. Um, it's been fantastic here in Panama. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And what, a, what an exceptional crowd of people you had here. As for the listener, 